up, y'all? We back with another video. It is cool to be here. It's fun to be alive, you know? It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. So we got a real good blessing here today. We got our chef, executive chef Stephen M. Foreman, the <laughs> one and only in Buffalo, New York. How you feeling, chef? I feel great. I feel very good. Thank you for having me on here tonight. It's a, yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, and we also have, you already know him, he just called him Baby Giannis, <laughs> but we got Xavier Lamar. Yeah, AKA Baby Giannis over there, by the way, Dwayne. Oh, I'm sorry, AKA y'all, AKA. And Last D one. Robertson. The one and only. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Of course, Jamil, behind the scenes, the guy. So y'all, we here, we gonna be talking about food. Now, I know y'all love y'all some food. We, we in the city of Buffalo. We known for our food. And Chef over here is, oof, he kicking it up tonight. He's going to be teaching us some techniques. He's not going to be showing us any dishes yet, but he's going to be showing us some stuff that we can use while preparing some food. So, Chef, what you got on the agenda? Uh, as far as cooking, you want me to just uh, give you a little... Oh, yeah, a little some, some, just a little some. So, to me, it's very important to not understand the fundamentals of cooking, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of times, people are very excited about what they see mm. on the plate, but a lot of people don't understand how to get the food to look like that, what it takes to get the food on that plate, tasting the way it tastes, looking the way it looks. So this evening, um, I would love to cook you all a meal, but maybe we'll save that for another time. Yes. It's important to me wait. that you guys understand the uh, the fundamentals of, of cooking. Um, one of the big things that I try to share with anybody when we deal with our cooking class, because I do cooking classes as well, is we try to express the importance of the key word of the day shall be mm. mise en place. Mise en place. <laughs> mise en place, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Very important for a chef in the kitchen to know his mise en place. So what is mise en place? Mise en place is a French word, which means things in place. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't want to start a recipe. And while you're going through your recipe and you're doing your, you're getting all the ingredients and you got things in the pan, all of a sudden you realize you're missing an important ingredient. Mm. Now you got to stop everything. You go to the store to buy it. Mm. You end up shopping, getting a few more things. Next thing you know, you're tired because you shopped. Mm. Now on the way back home, you go to Wendy's and go through the drive-thru. That's <laughs> <laughs> the meal that you just thought you were going to make that night. Yeah. That's, you feel yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to have meat supplies, things in place. Okay. Mm. So preparation. Preparation is a big key when it comes to cooking. Can you tell us some of your ways that you prepare? Absolutely. Um, well, again, I make sure that my kitchen is clean. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I make sure I wipe down surfaces. Food safety is important to me as well. So you want to make sure you sanitize everything, make sure everything's clean. Then I make sure I have my utensils, any tools I'm going to use, a specific knife or a specific pan or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I have that ready. And then, of course, all of the food that's in the recipe, I have it right there ready to go. So now I'm ready. So once I start executing, it becomes flawless. flawless. Ooh, with a capital flawless. F. Flawless. With flawless. a capital <laughs> F. <laughs> so, hey, y'all, we go, actually, I'm real interested because the smell coming from this kitchen right now, y'all can, I wish y'all could smell it. It smells amazing. It's just the natural aroma of fresh <laughs> food. So we gonna talk about some of your main dishes that you are known for. Oh. What I'm known for, 
Honestly, people ask me all the time, what do I love to cook? What's mm. my favorite dish or what style? Um, honestly, I really don't have a favorite. To me, my favorite is I loved making sure that any plate I am making, any food I am making, that I execute it perfectly. Yeah. I want all of the flavors to be spot on. I want the, the, the color of whatever I'm making, if it's a chicken or if it's a steak or if it's seafood, I want to make sure the cooking te technique I'm using, I want to make sure that the color comes out properly. I don't want it to be looking burnt. Right. But I don't want it to look bland either. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, um, you know, everything that I'm doing, I want to make sure that everything that uh, goes into that meal, that dish, um, it's just spot on the flavors, everything. So, I mean, I, I enjoy making anything. Right. You know? yeah. So if you're being real modest right now, because I remember, you know, way back when on a Zoom meeting, we talked about this macaroni <laughs> cheese that knocked your socks. <laughs> so, 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 you biting through your knuckles. So, <laughs> His exact words were, your grandma was mama ma macaroni and cheese ain't got nothing on mine, right? <laughs> I remember that. Did I say that? Yeah, I remember saying oh. that. I remember the plan. Oh. <laughs> Oof. I, I do make a meal. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's, 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 it's there. Okay. It's there. Let me tell you why it's there. Okay? Again, everything to me, remember, when I talk about cooking, everything, it's always about technique. Mm -hmm. Okay? At the fundamentals, at the very foundation of it, for instance, mac and cheese, it consists of what? Cheese. Cheese. Milk. It consists of milk, consists of your pasta, right? So it seems pretty easy, right? But a lot of people don't understand how to even just cook pasta properly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will rinse their pasta and then use it. Oh. That's a huge no-no. Don't ever rinse your pasta. Why we can't rinse our pasta? Because pasta is a starch. Mm. Okay? okay, and it it's what holds the walls of the pasta firm. When mm. you wash that pasta off, it becomes flimsy. Gooey. No, it becomes flimsy. Oh, flimsy! It's soft, and so the sauce just falls off the noodle. Oh, but if yeah. you want your the sauce sticking to the pasta and the pasta look and the plate look vibrant and firm, mm -hmm. you want your pasta to be cooked al dente. Number one, which means to the tooth. Okay. That's that's an Italian word. Al dente equals the tooth. No, not the tooth. To the tooth. Oh, sorry, y'all. To the tooth. And so when you so once you cook it, you drain it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then you put it on a cookie sheet. Let it stay hot. It's just the the residual heat will keep going, mm -hmm. but you're gonna allow the starch to remain on the pasta. So now when I make my custard for my mac and cheese mm -hmm. and I bake it, the firmness of the pasta makes the macaroni and cheese bake even better. Ooh. It congeals nicely. Ooh. <laughs> congeals. The, the word, the just the way they say congeal. I was like, when you melt words. your cheese also, a lot of people have to don't realize they, they don't spend time mm -hmm. whisking the cheese in. Mm -hmm. You have to whisk it till it's completely melted. Now, what is that called? I've heard some people call it a roux. Um, some people nope. just call it... Um... A roux is a specific thing in the culinary world, and a roux is one part butter, one part flour. Now, when, you're, doing, when, you're, when you're making a roux, do you make a roux for macaroni and cheese? You don't have... I'm going to say no. And if you make a roux for your mac and cheese... You're cheating, mm. and that's why it's not tasting as good as moi's. Oh, <laughs> heard it. So we're going to talk about, your, you know, what's lead, you leading up to becoming an executive chef? Like, what's some of your, Xavier, Um, you got some questions for him? Yeah, so I want to, like, take a little, like, a little rewind. So, like, what 
gave you this passion like for food, like to become a chef in the first place? Okay, so that's a good question. So uh, this is a true story, mm-hmm. true story. Uh, in eighth grade, um, we had a socialized class and a teacher handed out recipes mm. to make a colonial dinner. Ooh, so mm. we were learning about the colonial times and, you know, pilgrims and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And so she gave me a recipe to make snickerdoodle cookies. Mm. Y'all ever hear of them? Oh, yeah, I oh, love yeah, them. I so she gave me a recipe. I was in eighth grade. Mm. I've never cooked in my life, ever, okay? Mm-hmm. So she gave me the recipe. I bring it home. My mother shows me how to, we call scaling. Scaling means measuring out all the ingredients. So we got our mise en place together. She showed me how to do it. We baked the, baked the cookies, brought them to school. Everybody loved them. Wow. I made snickerdoodle cookies every single day for one full year. Wow. Every day. People were buying them. No, no. I was, eating, I was them away? Grade, I was, my family was eating them. And until it, it took my father to come home from work one day, mm-hmm. and he was basically, you make one more cookie, I'm going to beat the mess out. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were cooking out. Wow. But on a serious note, it also, and not to make it sound, but this is a very important part of my history of why I'm a chef. I had some very heavy trauma occur in my life early. Mm. And cooking suddenly gave me something that put hope back into my life. Mm-hmm. It helped me to see myself as capable of overcoming and achieving. Now, ultimately, you know, I'm a pastor now, and, you know, God really healed me from a lot of stuff. But the start of it was when I started learning how to cook and it became my passion Mm -hmm. because it gave me a new identity where the trauma had deeply affected me. Mm -hmm. So now I'm learning how to cook. I'm starting to reestablish myself. And then from there, I just started to have a desire to be an, uh, to be a chef. You know, chef, a lot of people have this um, crossroads they have to encounter in their life. Do you feel cooking was your path that you chose correctly out of all the decisions you could have made? Absolutely. I mean, Hindsight will say, yes, it was definitely um, a great decision for me, okay? In that moment, because of what it was doing for me at that time, because like I said, you know, um, I had some heavy stuff occur in my life early, mm-hmm. and it was it, it was very traumatic. But when I started to cook, it gave me a new identity. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it. The Lord is the one who really healed me and restored me mm-hmm. from that trauma. But the cooking gave me an identity mentally that I could be proud of and work towards. Wow. You follow what I'm saying? Amen. And so it was something that helped me to, you know, drive myself to push past all that trauma and to see an identity for myself, mm-hmm. you know? So I have a book that I want, I'm, I'm writing and it's mm. called The Greatness of One Cookie. The Greatness of One Cookie. Because that one cookie. That's where it all started. Exactly. Uh, All the greatness is coming out of that one cookie. Wow. That's going to be an amazing book, y'all. Please support the chef. <laughs> when that book drop, please that get book it. book drop, yes, buy it. Yes. Buy chef, two or three. Real quick, can you kind of talk about what that relationship was like with that teacher that kind of introduced you to this uh, cooking? So I, I don't, so the teacher, uh, it was a lady teacher, and I don't think she, she knew nothing about what was going on in my life. She knew nothing, you know, um, uh, she really didn't know anything, but she just gave me that recipe. 
what happened was divine was, intervention. Huh? I feel that you know. No, totally. Divine, oh, no, totally. It was definitely divine mm-hmm. intervention. But the teacher just gave me an outlet. It gave me an opportunity, and she may not have never have seen what it was going to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was going to do when I first received the recipe. But once my mother showed me how to do it, I was I liked it. It was when I brought it to school the next day, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "Oh my God, these cookies are so good!" In my mind, a light click like. You this is what something. I'm good at. Well, you, you it gave me something for Steve Foreman. I'd lost a lot. And at that moment, it gave me something back. It helped me to see that I can do something with myself. And so, again, I didn't see the greatness that was going to come out of it. But at that moment, that was where I was going. Right. It, it, it gave me peace. I enjoyed it. It allowed me to see I controlled it. Not, nobody else could take that from me. Mm-hmm. I controlled that. And so it just drove my 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 psyche, you mm-hmm. know, um, to help me move forward. And again, you know, I, I, it's not like a self-help, but it was. But ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. It was only the Lord that gave me the the ultimate deliverance that I needed, the the, the clarity, the, the peace, you know. But with that cooking, mm-hmm. he definitely used that to help me get to that place where he was going to, you know, deal with me one-on-one. Right. So, Chef, how long have you been executive chef? Oh, my goodness. I've been an executive chef. Well, let me say this real quick. So, a lot of people are executive chefs, right? They have the title. Mm. I'm a certified executive chef. And I don't mean There's a difference. There is a difference. And the reason why I say it's a difference is because I've actually passed um, tests and I have a, uh, I've met a standard mm. by an international body called the American Culinary Federation that has granted me the right to be called a certified executive chef mm. because I've met expectation of their standards. So now anywhere in the world, people would understand if he's a certified executive chef, he has a certain standard. Okay. So I could say I'm an executive chef, which a lot of people can say, right. but have you met the standards of a certified body recognizing you as a certified executive mm-hmm. chef? So therefore, it kind of like gives you more credentials, okay? So as a certified executive chef, five years. Uh, being hired as an executive chef for companies close to 20 years. Wow. So when you finally made that decision, you know, I, I love being an executive chef, but I want to become certified. What was going through your head? Um, I was intimidated. I'll be honest with you. The certification was very intimidating. And the company that I work for, Delaware North, they give you an incentive. They give you a bonus when you certify. Mm. So there are, there are several certifications there. It starts off, you know, like level one, you go up to level four. Uh, the last certification is a certified master chef. There's only 74 certified master chefs in the United States. Wow. Out of millions of chefs, there's only 74 certified master chefs. I'm giving myself 10 years to become a certified master chef because you that's training. That it takes a lot of training. Um, it's a it's a 10-day test for 10 days. It, it's grueling. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even sleep. Like you have, there's so much preparation. So you have to endure so much mm-hmm. mentally, physically, and understand the concepts that they're looking for when you become a certified master chef. But anyways, the other ones are just as difficult. The certified executive chef, you have to do a three hour cooking practical and you have evalu- evaluators watching you. Like they're watching you every step, like you're cleaning, you're mm-hmm. cutting the measurements and everything. And um, they tell you, you should practice your program, which is your three hour cooking uh, 
practical that you have to do in front of them, mm -hmm. they tell you that you should practice it at least 10 times. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will only do it three or four times and they'll pass because whatever, but you could see there it, it's, there's a lot of flaws. You could tell who you has it tell. down and who doesn't. So I practice mine 10 times. Mm -hmm. And, and let me just say this. Do we have time to say something real quick? Oh yeah. When I first went, I went to Cape Cod to be, um, to start the training mm -hmm. uh, for a weekend. And there was an executive chef from our organization who was supposed to, you know, help us and teach us, mm -hmm. okay? And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was the only black one that was in the room out of four other executive chefs. And the, 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 the executive chef that was going to teach us was white. Mm -hmm. And again, I want you to understand what I'm saying because I want to impart some mental courage to people, mm -hmm. okay? When I went in there, we were all preparing. We had to do two runs. So you would have to be there cooking for six hours straight. You do your first three hours, he would evaluate you and you would do it again so he could see what kind of changes you made to your program. So we all did it. We all had three hours. I was, I was 20 minutes late, okay? Which is acceptable because it's my first time doing it right. as far as practicing. Two other guys were two hours late. Another guy was three hours late. And one guy didn't even finish his first run. He just stopped. Now, listen, when I came to get, when I got evaluated, the chef railed me. He screamed on me. He said I was arrogant. He said I gave him no respect. He said that my food was trash. He, he dumped the, the, the lobster shells out of the garbage onto my counter. It said, you see, he's just going off. Gordon Ramsay? No, it's worse. <laughs> worse. Worse. So listen, what I what what I've achieved in my life and what God has done in my life, I fear nobody. You can't intimidate me. All you're gonna do is drive me to prove you how wrong you are. You with yeah, me? With so while you. he was going off, I just stared at him. I looked for his soul through his eyes because he was not gonna intimidate me. So he went off and, you know, he graded me and everything it was horrible. He said, you will never pass you. you this, is, this sucks. I just stared at him. Now, I knew I had a second run to do. Mm -hmm. All the other guys in there, he never even evaluated me. He just looked at it, oh, this, that, and the other. I stood at my station. I was waiting for him to tell me to, to start my second run. He made me stand there for a half hour. I, stand, I stood there for a half hour. I didn't move. I just stared waiting for him to tell me to start my second run. Now, listen, I did my second run. He gave me some props. From that moment until I had to actually do my certified executive chef examination, I did it that when I actually did my actual test and the evaluators that were there, all of them had said, we have never seen somebody do their um, practical the way you did it. I've been doing it for 20 years. He said, I've never seen anybody clean a lobster the way you clean the lobster. Your flavors were absolutely amazing. And the way your mise en place was spot on. Like he's, they said this, I was the last one they evaluated. They said, if they evaluated me first, everybody after me, and there's 10 people that took the test. He said, everybody after me would have failed wow. because you're, you had the standards so high that everybody we looked at after you would have failed because we would have looked at what they were doing, how off it was. So we we all took a lot from that. And what I've noticed was the fact that you were the only African-American only in that on the island that was doing that particular test. 
And not only did he go off on you, but you were correct. Yeah. Well, I have flaws, but my thing is this, as I told you before, an executive chef is a leader. Mm-hmm. For you to rail on somebody in, in front of everybody to try to degrade them, to me, that's not a leader. But I let him do, I was just staring at him. I'll be honest with you. If it was like 15 or 20 years earlier, we would have been moving furniture in that kitchen. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. But I, ha- but I because I've matured, I've overcome, I've mentally learned how to engage that kind of stuff that I just stared at him. I let him say what he wanted, and I just stared at him. I waited a half hour. He said, go ahead, you can start your second run. I just pushed myself. And then after that, for three months, I pushed myself to make sure that that examination was spotless. And that's exactly what I did. They said I got the highest grade that day. And that was one of the, that was literally the best they've ever seen uh, as far as somebody taking the service, the certification exam. Well, chef, you, you've, excuse me. You talked briefly about, you know, some of your issues being a person of color, especially in the business realm and a executive chef at that talk. Can you tell us some of your experiences while being in, you know, in the, at work and haven't had to experience some of those same issues or something similar. Absolutely. I have learned that um, a lot of people, a lot of people in white America have a hard time dealing with a very strong black man. Mm. They have a hard time with that. They're intimidated by that. Now me, my wife tells me all the time, just your presence alone. When you walk in a room, you just, you bring this presence with you. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not trying to do, I just know who I am. Mm -hmm. Nobody in that room that I want, no room I walk in intimidates me. Nothing. There's nobody, nobody intimidates me. I respect people greatly and I applaud people's achievements and their successes greatly, Mm -hmm. but nobody will ever intimidate me. So when I walk in a room, Steve Foreman walks in with Steve Foreman, head up, shoulders back. And it's like, whatever. I'm capable of doing what I need to do. So when I deal with people who feel intimidated by that and do shady things, which I've had to experience, I had to learn how to mentally go through that without throwing shade and try to, you know, get vengeance or look for a way to, you know, make them look foolish. You follow what I'm saying? I had to be smarter. I always have to be smarter than the people that are engaging me, trying to bring me down or try to make things look negative towards me. I think I know why. You know, a lot of people say that a reaction causes a reaction. And they, I don't know if it's the skin color thing, but they try to test you. And and do you feel that you were being tested to see if you were going to react? No, I think people honestly hate a strong black man. It's not a test. They don't- Gritty with it. They don't like a strong black, I mean, there's no, you, because of what I've experienced and what I've gone through, what I've seen, a lot of people, white people, not all white people, and by again, if I could tell you my my past and, and a lot of stuff, mm. people would understand this. I, I'm I have no gripe against anybody, right. any race. Honestly, I don't. But when I know people are 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 um, treating me a certain way because of their biases or their their dislikes, mm-hmm. then I'm going to have to confront that, not in a hostile way, but in a way that I have to act smarter. So when you try to come against me, I'm just going to have my ducks in a row ready to respond accordingly. Mm. You always have to be smarter. You have to be smarter than the people that you know are trying to become your enemies. I don't have to be uh, vindictive. I don't have to be vengeful. I just have to be smarter. So when you're in a meeting and they try to call you out, you have everything in a row. 
you explain to them, I'm sorry, you're mistaken, because in our last meeting, according to my notes, somebody else was supposed to, and you just read them off. Right. And I smiled. Said, I'm sorry. I smiled on that one. And I just sit back and I let and I let them muse in their little anger or their petty feeling because they were just called out. When right. they thought they were shooting a dart, oh, I'm sorry, my shield of faith is up. Took that out of the way. And then I respond accordingly in a gentle, mild voice, but firm for them to know he's serious. Right. I've been, listen, I've been written up wrongfully. I mean, wrongfully. It was blatant wrong. And I even went to, to higher levels and they wouldn't do anything about it. And sometimes you have to just take that L, but position it. I'll be honest with you, I position it. So now you you gave me this this write up or you say I did whatever you say I did. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna hold that. I'm just gonna keep that in the bank to remind everybody that why is that person now getting away with it when I know in my files it says the same thing. Right. What are you gonna do? So now I'm holding you accountable. Mm -hmm. The bosses that are above me. It's good to keep a paper trail. I'm learning because I don't write notes. That's my problem. You got to be smarter than the people who are coming against you. You can't it, physically attacking people doesn't work. Okay. But if you can be smarter than the people who are attacking you, you can now show their ignorance on the table. Right. It's there. Yeah, just because you look like Vin Diesel got Vin Diesel <laughs> doesn't mean you gotta move like Vin I Diesel. I ain't gotta move like that. I ain't gotta move like that. Hey chef, yeah. um, you know, throughout your five years being a certified executive chef, what's some of the most complex dishes that you've had to create? Complex, sheesh. Nothing's complex for Chef Steve. Oh, is it? You know, I I don't know what you want me to say to that, because it's like <laughs> to me. The challenge is, so I have to cook for owners. I have to cook for um, the Pagulas who are the owners of the Bills. Mm -hmm. I have to cook for them. I have to cook for the Jacobs, who are the owners of Delaware North, who I work for, who own the Boston Bruins. I have to cook for them. I have to cook for all the CEOs of all of the Delaware North people. So when they come to my unit and they have a special menu that I have to write just for them and they're sweet, that's crunch time. That's, that's fin like, I have to know, everything has to be spot on, like, Nobody cares. Everybody else is saying, no, that's sweet and that sweet's important, but that's sweet that you're about to provide food for because all the CEOs or the owners are in there. You better have it right. Right. We just put, we just uh, fed the, um, the commissioner of the NFL at uh, the last playoff game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was here. So I had to prepare his food. I had to make sure his food was accurate going into the suite. Mm -hmm. So to me, finesse is the flavors, the components, as I said before, but being able to execute it, while you're still managing the whole stadium, mm -hmm. while you're managing everybody else. And you have to be mindful of all the other problems that could be occurring. You have to be able to manage that in your mind mm -hmm. while your thoughts are also on, man, I gotta make sure this food is gonna be spot on right. for them. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, it falls on me. If the meal is bad, it falls on me. Even if a sous chef was responsible to making all those meals mm -hmm. and my bosses come to me and they say, why? I don't, I don't blame my sous chef, it's me. I take, I take all the responsibility because at the end of the day, it is my responsibility to know what my sous chef is doing and what he's making their, his supervisors doing to know what their associates are doing. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, Daniel, you got so, anything to add? Yeah, I, um, I was actually going to ask Chef Steve about 
uh, since you brought it up. Yeah. What was that shift like, you know, once you got that promotion to go from um, 43 North out to the actual stadium? You know, what was that like? And then just talk about what your leadership uh, approach is yeah, yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. So, like I said, um, I don't know if I said it earlier or when we were just side talking. Um, there, there's a reason why they, they're bringing me out to the stadium to help and assist and everything because of the changes that I've made inside uh, the um, key bank center. When I first got there, I knew where the problems were and I started addressing them. From there, and mind you, I came from, I was the executive chef of ECMC for four years, completely different. You know, even though we had the cafe up there, which I could do great things, but also dealing with patient service food and just managing that whole hospital dynamic uh, was completely different. And when I went to the key bank center, I'll be honest with you, in my mind, I was like, this is going to be interesting. I, I, I got to see, you know, mentally, how am I going to do this? And I went in and I just started knocking it down. I started, you know, addressing the problems, taking mm -hmm. on the challenges and incorporating the leaderships that the leadership skills that I've learned. And I started to apply them. And the biggest one was learning how to engage my, my, my sous chefs and helping them engaging everybody else. So I was able to help them all learn how to lead properly. So I took all those skill sets and started doing that out at the um, stadium. Now, of course, you're the new guy in the block, right? Yeah. There's, they have their way of doing things. Everybody has their own way of doing things, right? But it hasn't been working. And there's a reason why somebody's being asked to come and help assist in making changes. Mm -hmm. And I, I just use the same app. I just use the same principles. I would just pull people aside. Hey, explain to me. And then I'll say, I'll tell you what, how about if we try this? Let's just try this and work at it and see what happens. Right. And as long as you're helping people see you're empowering them rather than condemning them, mm -hmm. A lot of times they buy in. Now it takes a little adjustment. You got to, you know, stroke their egos and work with them and help them see that you're for them, which I am, but I also have a job to do that. Basically at the end of the day, we're still going to do it this way. We got to go, we got to go this way, right. but I want you to see that it's actually going to be better. It's going to be more efficient, but it's also going to empower you with more skills because you're going to be a better worker. Mm -hmm. You're going to be doing it more efficiently. And then ultimately you're going to make the company look better, which is going to definitely make you look better because you're the one that did that. You see what I'm saying? You seem like you, you that. um, I'm sorry, but you seem like you had, um, you had this idea that you were going to be something of a leadership role already in place. When did you realize that you were going to be more than what you set out to be? Uh, let me, so Let's back up. Let's re back to high school. Okay. Even probably around ninth grade. I think it was somewhere around eighth or ninth grade. Ninth, ninth or tenth grade, because it's after I started uh, doing cookies. And my mother and I were in the kitchen, and I'll never forget it. I told my mother, I said, Ma. And at that time, I was out of control. I was just wild. I was just. I was just crazy. I was crazy. So when I say this and what she probably heard was like, my son's losing his mind. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I was raised in a church and everything, mm -hmm. but I was wild and I was not doing anything that I was supposed to be doing. And um, I said to my mom, I was like, Ma, I think God's going to use my, my voice one day. I think he's going to, mind you, my mind is not even thinking, I don't even know what I'm saying. Like, I'm not even thinking about God. I'm not trying to, I'm, but I just said to her, and she's like, 
He could, he could. Yeah, I see that. You know, she's probably thinking like, you need to get your life right. First of all, that you need to do. She's probably thinking. But um, I I forgot that conversation. And then I went, I went to high school, a lot of trials, a lot of different things. Went to uh, college. Worst things, just crazy things. And um, then uh, my senior year at Bus State, um, I don't know, I just, I started having this urge to start reading my Bible. Mm. Honestly, it was like nothing, nothing was like, I, there was, I mean, I did have a, I did have a, I was dealing with a case. So, I mean, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't, but it wasn't even that, honestly, because I was working through, it was like, you know, we, we got an ACD and, you know, I had to pay some fines and, and pay people back, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't, extremely you know what i'm saying like i wasn't doing time or anything but i did have this problem so um you know but i was I, as far as my career i was working with this executive chef and uh, he was about to set me up working on these cruise ships and just start you know building you know my career and everything but then all of a sudden i just had this urge to start reading my bible mm. and uh i just start picking it up now mind you i'll be honest with you i still was going out drinking I still wild and party and everything, mm. but for some reason, I still wanted to read my Bible. And I will, I promise you, I used to come home stupid drunk. And I would say to myself though, I still want to read my Bible before I go to bed. Mm. I promise you. I used to read my, I would read it drunk. I promise you. 15 minutes later, I would be sober just like that. Wow, wow. And there would be so much peace in my heart. And I said to myself, what in the world is going, like what is going on? I don't understand this. But in my heart, I said, I want this because I was tired of doing all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So eventually I started to realize uh, I, I need to do something bigger with my life than what I'm doing. And then over time, you know, things go on. I, I join the church and get my life right. The Lord saves me. I'm, I'm starting to move. And then I started dealing with street ministry. And I used to be out here. I mean. Dude, I was, I would be out in the streets all the time. I got people that are still hanging out in the streets, like older guys, drunk. They still remember like, Steve, come here, talk to me, man. Come, yo, man, I know you, you always, you still preaching, man, you still preaching. I'd be like, yo, dude, like you, you and I have the same conversation, conversation for the last 20 years. Like you keep telling me you're gonna come by the church. When are you gonna get there? But what I'm saying is that, you know, that's where my focus was, you know what I'm saying? And so now today, you know, I'm still a pastor, but I have a passion to um, really help people also in the industry as well. Okay. Yeah, I know we got to. We got. Yes, we you know, this conversation is deep and I'm loving it, but we do want to learn some techniques. And I got you. I got you. Y'all ready? And I think the audience is kind of worried about, you know, whether you're going to burn something, but I don't think he is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> You just did that. Wow. Tell them who you are again, Chef. Man, I, I have, think you need to remind You know him. who I am? Do you not know who I am? I know who you are, but the people don't know who you are. So I think it's time for them to see who you are. You wouldn't have said that if you know who I am. Well, I just wanted to make sure. Man, I'm that dude. You that dude. I'm that dude. Well, let's prove it. 
It's time to oh, get down to the nitty. You said you want to prove it. You want to cook off? Don't do it like that, Chef. Oh, a cook off? Cook off? A cook off? You want to have a cook off? We'll, we'll do another one of these and we'll do a cook off. How about that? He's not ready. He ain't ready for that? Well, ready for that. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> but you know, I will say that I would love to. No, seriously, I would love to see your techniques. Yeah. You are. You definitely are inspiration for let's a lot of people. Let's jump in the kitchen and look at some things. Is that cool? Well, let's do it. All right. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with Chef Steve in the kitchen. You're going to show us some techniques. I'm ready for it, Chef Steve. I had that macaroni and cheese. So I already know what you. About. You already know what, to, Daniel. Tell them. Tell them what time I made. It. I, listen, I made the macaroni and cheese. He told based us. on the recipe. He said that he, he picked did. up his food loved and they loved it. It's amazing. That's my. And that was my first time ever making macaroni and cheese. Oh, word. Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Breaking Barriers podcast. We are here in segment two. We got the CEO of Time and Honey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chef Steve, and uh, I don't know if the camera can see, but as you can see, we got. All these different types of carrots, lemons, celery. So, Chef, tell us what's about to happen right now. So, this right here, what you're looking at, uh -huh. you're looking at flavor. Mm. Okay. Now, you might ask yourself, well, how is this all going to be flavored? As a chef, there are found. There's some things that you have to have at the foundation of your of your meal that you're making, whatever dish it may be. Now, I'm going to take an apple. I'm going to take a carrot. And I'm gonna take a celery, okay? Apple. Um, onion, celery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that maybe was something there. I didn't see. I was apple, okay, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I must be tired. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta make apple pie. Lord have mercy. So, onion, <laughs> carrot, and celery. Now, right here is the foundation to many soups. Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell you why. Mm -hmm. When you combine these three, mm -hmm. it's what we call mirepoix. Mirepoix. Mirepoix, okay? Mirepoix is, a, is basically uh, an aromat. And what, it, and what an aromat is, it brings in earthly flavors. It's very strong, mm -hmm. it's very potent, and it provides the basis for your stocks, mm. sauces, and soups. Very important. If you don't have this in your soups, you're going to be missing an element to the flavored profile you're looking for in soups. Now, of course, certain soups might not have a carrot. They might just have a celery and onion. Right. Some, on, some uh, soups may just have an onion because they have other elements to it. But majority is right here. Carrot, celery, and an onion. Mm. Now, one of the things I want to show you guys is also cutting. That's very, very important when you guys are at home making your meals, whatever it may be. Showing, knowing how to cut your product properly is extremely important. And one of my goals in life, honestly, is I want to show a million people how to dice an onion properly. A million people. Let's do it. I'm at 37 right now. I got a we can get there. So I got three more. So yeah. 40. <laughs> 40. 40. So first of all, you're going to start with your onion, and it's important to peel it properly, okay? I have my chef knife. I encourage people to buy a very good chef knife, not something that you get at uh, Family Dollar. Right. You want This one right here costs $130. I'm not telling you to buy a $130 knife, but I am telling you to buy maybe a chef knife that's $60. Now, you mentioned prior to us starting, you said that there's different knives for different, you know, stuff and you prefer what so the kind of steel the knife is made of okay. so this is japanese steel mm -hmm. this is the steel that will give uh the knife its sharpest edge ah. then german steel then american steel this knife here is 
Japanese steel. Mm -hmm. It has the most carbon in it, which allows the knife to be very sharp, but it also is very brittle. Right. German knives are also good too. I'll be honest with you. They make a very good German knives. Hankels, Wusthofs. Um, this is a Zen knife, uh, the brand Zen. It's a Japanese blade, uh, very sharp. And then you got American cutlery, like Chicago cutlery. Mm -hmm. It's good, but it's more for like just hammering away on stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. All right, so the steel is just going to bring the edge back. We always want to hit our knife with the steel. Make sure we have a sharp edge. Now, you're going to cut the end of the onion off. And then you're going to peel it, okay? Now, one of the things I always tell people too when they're, when they're making their food at home, mm -hmm. these scraps, put them in a Ziploc bag and freeze them. Hmm. save them so that you can make a stock. What is a stock? It's basically oh, flavored water. Okay, okay, so okay. I would take the onion or the um, carrot peel, shave, save, right? I would take the end of the celery, hmm. save it. Instead of throwing it away, save it. Now you can put it in a Ziploc bag, freeze it. It's good for a month. Let's say you want to make a good vegetable soup. Mm -hmm. Take the trimmings out, put it in water with some tomato sauce, boiling water, and some bay leaf salt and pepper. Let it cook for like two hours. Mm -hmm. All of the essence of the flavors of the onion, carrot, and celery and bay leaf will be, and tomato will be in that water. Strain it after it's boiled for two hours, mm -hmm. save the broth, and now start your vegetable soup. Mm. Now you have that much, and it costed you what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all. You see what I'm saying? So that's a little trick of the trade also. So we got our onion peeled. Now, here's what's very important. Cut your onion in half. You see what I just did? Right. Now you take the tip of the knife and make sure you understand that you don't go all the way through, but I'm gonna go vertically down, a quarter of an inch across. And the finger, I don't let my fingertip get cut. So I, I my knuckle is being used as a shield. See that? Mm. I didn't go all the way through. Now, quarter turn, mm -hmm. take your knife horizontally. Notice how I'm not going all the way through, right? Right. Go quarter of an inch down again. Quarter of an inch down again. And a quarter of an inch down again. Not going all the way through, right? Mm -hmm. Now we're going to go down vertically. Look at that size. Minced already. Look at that. That's real professional like right there. Look at that. So now you've got even cuts. So when you saute, bake, or roast, mm -hmm. they're all gonna cook evenly. So sometimes people have these, these, you know, big pieces and little pieces and they cook. Some are gonna cook longer than others and then this piece is gonna be burnt. Mm -hmm. You don't want that burnt essence in your flavors, right? Yeah. So again, mirepoix, carrot, celery, and onion. Very important. So you start with that, start with a soup, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes there's what we call a trinity. And what is a trinity? A trinity is taking garlic, taking onion, and taking celery. This right here is the foundation to Creole cooking. Mm -hmm. So anytime you make gumbo, you make jambalaya, when you make some kind of Creole sauce or with uh, seafood broth mm -hmm. that's Creole flavor, mm -hmm. they start with a trinity which is your onion, your garlic, and your celery. And again, it's like an aromatic. It's flavors that are being cooked down and it's being fused into the dish that you're making. So again, that's just a, a simple tip. Now, sometimes you may want to add heat to your food. Some You like spicy food? Yeah. Yes, you like spicy food? Sometimes, yes. 
I love spicy food. Not not over the top, but mm-hmm. I, you can get a jalapeno, mm-hmm. right? You can dice this up real fine, throw it into whatever you're going to use, saute it, or just throw it in raw. Like, for instance, you make a pico. A pico is a mild salsa, uh, fresh salsa mm-hmm. uh, that you make for making tacos or whatever. Okay. And uh, basically, pico consists of diced tomatoes, diced onions, mm-hmm. cilantro, garlic, okay, jalapeno, and lime. Those six ingredients mixed all together, amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, what you can do is once you take that pico, you let's say you make a big bowl of pico, right? right. Take half of the pico and reserve it just for pico. Take the other half and now take some uh, take some avocados, mm-hmm. mince them up, throw it into the pico, put it into a food processor, blend it, and what do you have? Guacamole. See how easy you did that? You make pico, yeah. reserve half of it just for pico, then take the other half, add your um, uh, avocados, puree it, and you have now guacamole. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Daniel's face. <laughs> you, you can keep the guac. Uh, I, don't do like the I don't do the, nah, I can't stand avocados. Man. Oh my goodness. Nah, nah. Daniel, did it. you get them from Mexico? Hold on, hold on. Daniel, do you trust me? Uh-huh. Was my mac and cheese on point? It was. Oh, I didn't have avocado in I either. guarantee you, if I make guacamole for you, I bet you, you be. I bet you, you'll love it. Okay, get to make it. <laughs> in your mind, psychologically, you're going to think you're tasting that avocado. I'm telling you, all of the flavors fused in there with it. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the cilantro. Mm-hmm. That's another element to increase flavors in dishes, which are herbs. I love cilantro. My wife hates cilantro. Mm-hmm. Hates it. But I love cilantro. I love using it and a lot of my relishes, sauces, relishes, dips, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But you can still you can use thyme, you can use fresh oregano, you can use fresh sage, you can use fresh parsley, flat parsley, Italian parsley, uh, cilantro, uh, rosemary. It depends on what you're using it for, but fresh herbs are a great way to add flavor to your food. And cut down on the amount of salt that you put in your food. Okay. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Now that we're talking about salt, a very important part of cooking, you need to have salt. Now, you want to be moderate. You want to be careful about how much salt you add. Mm -hmm. But salt has a very, very important, that plays a very important part to cooking. And it does two things to food. Without Daniel saying anything, I can tell you what it doesn't do. What can I tell it? you what it doesn't do? What doesn't it do? Salt does not add flavor to food. <laughs> it does not add flavor to food. Salt is not a flavor. It is a taste. Okay. Okay? So you have to learn to manipulate the ingredients that you're making to bring out their natural flavors and creating a taste that gives you that delight of what you're making. For instance, when I was talking about pico, mm-hmm. it's the cilantro, it's the lime, it's the garlic, it's the heat. But what brings it all together? Salt. Why? Because the two things that salt does is it minimizes the bitterness in food mm-hmm. and it elevates the natural sweeteners that are in food. Tomato has a bitter flavor to it. The skin, okay? The tannins that are in the skin make it bitter. However, tomatoes also are very flavorful. Okay fresh mm-hmm. so to bring out the natural sweetness and minimize its bitterness yeah. you put a little salt over it in the whole dish okay i've known people to just cut a tomato and put some salt on it just like that 
my grandmother, she was from the South. So she used to love just cut tomatoes and put some salt on it and call it a day. Nothing else. Yep. Wow. Nothing else. Yep. So that salt helps bring out the natural flavors that are in the tomato, the natural sweetener, but minimizing the bitterness as well. Mm -hmm. So we got fresh herbs. We got the salt. We got the pepper. We got our aromats, our trinity. But now let's talk about citrus. Okay. Citrus. <laughs> listen. When you make a regular salad, let's just say you make a regular salad at home, okay? You add some chicken to it on top, you know, mm -hmm. you got whatever. Don't add so much of your creamy dressing. Mm -hmm. First, zest a lemon over it. Okay. A little bit of salt over it. Then drizzle a little of your dressing, mix it around, and then taste it. I promise you. Totally different taste. What? What? Oh, mm. The citrus is going to make it just come alive. Okay. You can use a lime, you can use a lemon, you can even use an orange if you want, okay? But it just brings out so much flavor. Now, uh, when I sell my wraps, when I make wraps and I used to you know, uh, cook and make wraps and sell them, mm -hmm. what I would do is I would put a little of the lemon zest in the center of it, roll it up. It just brings out so much of the different flavors. If there's heat, it brings out more of the heat. Mm. If there's that sweetness, it brings out more of that sweetness. It's just, it adds such another element of flavor to your food. And again, it's cheap and you're not adding so much sodium. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Using that fresh zest. That's why they say put the, a lemon on a lime and then the lime, put some salt on the, on the lime to take away from the acidity. We, yeah, are not we are not taking tequila shots. I, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what he's talking about right oh, now. Oh, my gosh, the way. <laughs> we got a bartender over here or something? Yeah. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Lastly, real quick, I want to talk about, I do cook with wine. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Oh, I thought that was sake over here. So <laughs> <laughs> this is white wine, and this is a great way of, again, cooking with wine. Now, when you cook with wine, you do burn out the alcohol and you get the natural berry essence flavor that remains when you're cooking with wine. Yeah. So that's what helps add flavor. Like I would add it to a lot of my sauces that I make for my meats, for mm. my chickens, I'll add white wine. It gives it just a little bit more sweetness, a little bit more flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Of course, oils help with flavorings. This is regular uh, vegetable oil, but you can use olive oil, grapeseed oil, avocado oil. There's a lot of oils that you can use to put more flavor into your food and make it healthier, you know? Because mm. one of the things you want to think about when you're cooking is you do want to learn how to minimize the amount of sodium intake and fat intake. Mm. Now, fat is good. I'll be honest with you. I cook with butter. Right. I love butter, but I do it in moderation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes, a great thing right here, just these three pieces right here, is a great combination to make something with fish. Mm. Brown the butter. Listen, brown the butter. Like take the raw butter, put mm. it in a saute pan, let it brown. You'll start watching it brown because the heat is going to start, you know, uh, caramelizing the butter. Mm -hmm. Then when it gets to a certain color, you squeeze lemon over it, hit mm -hmm. it with white wine, let it reduce. Then you put it over some fresh fish mm -hmm. out of the world. Just out of the world. Little dash of salt also. Out of the world. Like, you'll just be like, yo, I think Chef Steve is amazing. Mm. Like, we need to hire Chef Steve. Virgin olive oil and regular olive oil. What's the difference? So it depends on the, it's, it's, it's measured by the press, okay. how many times it has been pressed. Virgin olive oil, it's only been pressed once. After that, there's just regular olive oil, second press olive oil, and things of that nature. Okay. Is there a difference? In yeah, the flavor, the okay. flavor profile. Okay. Yep.
So I hope you guys learned something today. Yeah. I hope you're gonna take some of these uh, absolutely tips and techniques absolutely. home with you. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna start saving my orange scrappings and everything else. Yeah. There you go. You can do that. Definitely do that. Well, thanks again, Chef Steve. We appreciate you welcoming us into your kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure uh, everyone goes to check out Time of Honey. Yes, Time yes. Of Honey. Yes. yes, yes. That's how you gonna make your money. <laughs> Chef, we gotta come back and do this again. Definitely. Hopefully, next time we'll make we can, something nice. We can make something real nice. We'll make something real nice. Let yes. the young man kind of get a little busy behind. Get oh, little uh, taste buds going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Chef Steve, as always, you the man. Thank you very much, man, for that amazing no doubt, no doubt. Um, demonstration yes. that you kind of put together over there for us. Um, I can't wait until you challenge this guy over here in a little cook-off. I'm going to have to do my research. We're going to do, do a chop series with this dude. You always talk about how we're going to eat our knuckles. He's probably going to eat those words at night. All right, y'all. It's time to wrap it up. Y'all know it's been real. So please make sure you subscribe on all social media platforms, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. And a big, big, big shout out to our partners at Say Yes Buffalo and the Greater Racial Equity Roundtable. And, well... That's it, y'all. And you know we're going to be back, and I'm probably going to lose. And Chef Steve, you got anything you want to add, especially your social media accounts, because they want to hit you up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first, I just want to thank everybody for having me uh, with you guys. I hope you uh, learned some good things. I hope the things I said were inspiring. Um, so, But if you do want to check us out, um, we actually uh, – I have a company called – Time and Honey. Okay. And if you go to Facebook, you'll find us, Time and Honey. Uh, every Thursday at 7 p.m., we do a live cooking demonstration mm. just to encourage people, you know, learn tips and techniques of different ways of cooking things. I'll be looking at those classes. Yeah. So I won't lose. And, and they're free. They're just uh, live every Thursday, 7 p.m., Time and Honey. Um, also, we offer cooking classes. Um, as of right now, we've kind of had to stop because of COVID, but mm -hmm. you can still check out our website, which is buffalocookingclass.com. So that's buffalocookingclass.com. Dot com and check us out. Like I said, my company's called Time and Honey. And the way you spell Time and Honey is not T I M E. It's T H T H Y M E. Oh, that's clever. Dash the letter N dash Honey. Okay. Time and Honey rhymes with you know time and money. Time yeah. And honey, you know what I'm saying? I see you. And there's another reason because there's only two ways of cooking food or two types of cooking food: sweet and savory. So mm -hmm. time and honey are those two components. Mm -hmm. Time is savory. Honey is sweet. Follow me? I follow you. So it's Time and Honey. Check us out. All right, y'all. Check them out. Time and Honey. And we're about to go get that money. See y'all later, y'all. Mm. Peace. Peace. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>